If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. Oh my gosh, let's just get right into it today because we have royalty icons are in the house. The Brady boys, all three of the Brady boys are here. We are going to sit down and chat with them first. We have Barry Williams, Christopher Knight, and Mike Lookinland. All three are here, fresh off their elimination from the Mass Singer, but the Bradys are here. So we're going to talk to them and then after, and we're going to talk about you know, do they ever get mad and do they ever get tired of people referring, you know, it's Greg and Christopher and Mike, do they ever get tired of people referring to them as the Brady boys? And then after that, we're going to share, because we like to stay on theme. We're going to share our chat from earlier in this year with Danny Bonaducci from the Partridge family. Did everyone catch that? It's a really good kind of talk about it all. Listen, child actors, it's one of my favorite groups of people to talk to. So we share this brand new interview first with the Brady Boys, and then we share our chat with Danny Bonaducci. Stay tuned. Enjoy. Can't wait to hear what you all think. Happy Tuesday. Hey, everyone. This is David. Welcome back behind the Velvet Rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by Barry Williams, Christopher Knight, and Mike Lookaland. Hey, David. The Brady Boys are in the house. Or should I say the mummies? <laughs> or the Brady Bros. <laughs> um, the mummies. Mummy How bros. That? How about that? I, I'm going to call this one of my peak uh, professional experiences. It was just great, great fun to be in that vibe, in that vibe, those people, um, the crowd, uh, the, the uh, costumes, as spectacular as they look on television, are even more spectacular in person. And putting them on was just, it was just such a gas. And they are tailored to within, you know, a nano inch of your, our, you know, of our body. So, you know, I mean, everything is right in the right place and they work. It's amazing. And it's just amazing. Blown away. How did this all come about for all three of you? You know, like when it's one person, I understand, but like three people, like, you know, they're all three of you say yes to the mass Singer. Like, did one person say yes first? And did you check with each other? Did someone hold out and maybe not really want to do this as much as the others? We have a history. Barry? First, first, it was something I, I gravitated toward. Anyway, not that that would have anything to do with actually getting on the show, but um, I did. I did have a, a someone that was working on the casting side, and I made it very clear that I would uh, enjoy being on that. So that that the, the idea was was uh, was tossed into the uh, pot, and uh, you know those that sit around the conference table said, mm-hmm. and then they they came up with the idea of the trio. Yeah, you need and, the three. Yeah, and that had never been done. 
so it was kind of like breaking their own tradition. And so I came back to me and I, I you know, I'm, I'm both feed in on this. Let's find out if uh, Michael is available. Um, and then we'll have to go to work on Chris and try and encourage him. <laughs> David, um, I, I have been well known uh, as being a, uh, uh, having a, a difficult history with music. Not, not, it follows me and embraces me um, to my horror and has continually for the past 50 years. So uh, I am uh, more than resistant. And they knew that. Is it true that on the Brady Bunch, on those musical episodes, that at times your microphone was turned off? <laughs> uh, perhaps in the live, you know, our concerts. But, uh, I, you know, when we sang the albums, it was we didn't individually have a mic. I just knew that I was uh, asked to stand back from it a little bit or further, a, a little bit more. Gently encouraged. To not, yeah. I would get these looks from Mike because he's oh. like a perfect pitch and I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, he'd lift up his headset. If I'm standing over here, he'd go like this. <laughs> it was like, and oh, you know, he's sorry. looking up at me. So he's like, you know, it was like, and, and I knew I had no talent in the area. I mean, to the point where I, I, karaoke, that, that, that would, there's no, there's, there's no, in no way would that be fun. Let me I give you me 40 a, years a, to learn happy birthday of what this is. Well, I'm glad you mentioned it. Chris and I happened to be in Chicago for a Cubs game at the same time, and which was kind of coincidental. And we were invited to go up to the booth and sing happy birthday. Was it happy birthday or take me out to the ball game? I think we did both, but it, okay. it would, and, 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 and happy birthday was is what's in my mind and uh, <laughs> and i mentioned we, it we, we're standing next to each other and he threw me off pitch for happy birthday <laughs> I, oh, no. I, 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 I was like i can't even hear the melody <laughs> i'm a disaster when it comes to music and it's no fun for me i know i'm a disaster i have no business being out there and i'm part of a group tell me how much fun that is so no, when they when they know that this thing is going to come together by you know having to come to me, I'm they might want to share with you what their thoughts were at that point. There is a line in the masked singer contract that actually says, I read it. It says this is a real contest, blah blah blah. Um, if you're up there singing, you are not allowed to turn your mic. The microphone is not allowed to be turned off. And so, everyone. So in this case, you got Chris Knight singing the song for real. So look, the mummies might be like redemption for, you know, Peter Brady. Oh, yeah. We're going to release it, um, <laughs> you know, Spotify. Let's just see how many downloads we can get. Uh, we're going we're taking this to the top. We're, we're mounting a tour. Uh, it's going to it should be ready for 2023. Um, tell all your friends and buy tickets early. <laughs> Until we run up against the harp, and then it's like, see ya. Yeah, no, when you're a mummy, you're reanimated for a short period of time, and then it's back <laughs> to your sarcophagi. <laughs> 
do you guys, you know, like when I introduced you and I made the joke, you know, the Brady boys are in the house. Look, you've all done so much in your careers. Like since the Brady Bunch, you were, you know, child actors, you, you know, you have a lot of things going on outside. I mean, of the Brady Bunch and Christopher, I know you have Christopher Knight home and you guys, you have your production company, you guys have a lot going on, but does it ever get to you that then, you know, people will always, you know, you guys will always be known as, you know, Peter and Bobby and Greg, does that ever get to you? There was an awareness that I had, because you think when you leave something like the Brady Bunch, even with all the success it immediately had in syndication, that eventually it would tail off. Um, it was off the, it was off primetime by the, uh, when I was 16, um, successful through, through syndication for, uh, well, it turns out forever, but um, I'm thinking, good, give it a, three or four years maybe by 20 it won't be something that will be there that um i'm known for you know and i uh, will be able to get beyond it then about 25 it dawned on me that maybe this is never going away that that and in fact it wasn't a negative it was sort of like you know peter brady's in every room before i get there he's he's in rooms i've never been in and he's going to be around after I'm gone. So it's like ever present. Why try to, why fight it? You know, I mean, the fact is, is it has its gravity um, and it's a positive influence. So embrace it. What do you guys think it is? Cause you know, you look at like Grey's Anatomy and CSI and ER, like there are shows that are on the air for, I mean, it's, it's the exception of course, but like 10, 15 years Brady Bunch was, yes, there was many spinoffs and Brady Brides and the Variety Hour, but it was on the air for five years. Like, that's so short in retrospect of, like, the legacy of what this has become. Like, what do you guys attribute, like, what is it about this show that just is so, such a part of, like, pop culture that's iconography? That's a really, really difficult thing to, to accurately pin down. Um, the, the way I, I try and approach that a lot is with what people tell us. And um, I, I will say that the, there was a storytelling quality to the show. Uh, that's why they're so memorable. That's, it's not all that fast editing. I mean, you, you, you learn the characters and then you cared about the characters. And the relationships that, that we had and were given to have and actually do have um, was very positive. The messages were positive. So it's kind of uplifting in that sense. But um, I, th I, I really think that a lot of it was uh, the chemistry that we had because it was real and you'll see it here. Um, you know, we, uh, it, you just can't fake that. And uh, I think it, it uh, translated through the screen. You know, there's a simplicity in childhood um, uh, that's desired, you know, the complexity is out the front door um, and children to some degree, to some age are, are buffered from that. And the Brady's is a reminder, uh, as now we're adults, of a simpler time. Uh, plus, for children, we're a filter, you know, for every generation. Though we might have only been on um, uh, five seasons initially, the show has never been off the air and then has grown, I don't know, Barry, how many different languages. It's a worldwide phenomenon. And, and now one of the most successful shows ever produced when taking into account how many eyeballs over time have watched it and know it like like in the same stratosphere with i love lucy um 
and there's, it's rare that that happens with the show. It's not something you can, you can um, expect. Uh, it's a gift. That's a good point. A ser serendipitous um, genius of marketing that took place after the show was canceled, when for, for a decade, uh, every kid in America would get home from school, make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and flip on the Brady Bunch. And they would play two episodes back to back in where I live. Um, and they're one there. Every kid, every kid coming home from school and watching the Brady Bunch at three 30 um, had one of us six that they could relate to in some way because of our range of ages and our range of, uh, you know, our personalities. Related. And, as they, and as they grew up, they probably disconnected from one and, grew up with another uh it's um i i think that simplicity the ability to identify um a, a lot of kids like watching kids and then we had an age range of kids and so as a kid is watching the show we're not growing anymore they are they grow up through us and that's what i meant by it being a kind of filter a filter for the kids uh, uh, learning how it is that we're dealing with finding out where we belong and how we fit in um, because they're reflecting uh, on their own life and uh, to, uh, to answering that question. But once you go, Bobby, you never go back. <laughs> the wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. I am feeling so good today, and it's because of Organifi. I use Organifi every day. Listen, Organifi is an organic superfood blend that offers plant-based nutrition made with high-quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed, and that's why I like it, because it makes sense to me to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic, free of fillers, and contain less than three grams of sugar per serving. I also love the variety. I use the Organifi green juice, which helps reduce stress. I use the Organifi red juice, which is a superfood punch, which increases energy. And the Organifi, each Organifi blend is so easy to use. You just mix it with water or your favorite beverage while you're on the go. And they don't compromise quality for taste. It tastes really good. I also love that. Oh my God, it's so affordable. It's based on a market price that works out to be less than $3 a day. So listen, head over to Organifi.com slash Velvet Rope and use code Velvet Rope at checkout to receive 20% off your entire order. That's Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. Organifi.com slash Velvet Rope. Use Velvet Rope at checkout and get 20% off your entire order. All right, so there's some good news and there's some bad news here today. Now, the good news is if you're listening to this, you are alive, but there is bad news. The bad news is you probably don't have life insurance. I certainly didn't, and that's why you need 
ethos. Now I looked into some other companies, I you knew the option of getting life insurance and it was so confusing and it was outdated and this huge application process. I was like, I have no time to deal with this today. And I kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off until one day I discovered ethos. With ethos, you can get life insurance in 10 minutes for as little as $10 a month. They have no medical exams, which I love. There's just a few easy health questions and very competitive rates from top rated carriers. So basically what I'm saying is it's affordable and convenient. Do you know that every year you wait, life insurance premiums increase by 8 to 10%? Get a free personalized quote at ethoslife.com slash velvet. That's spelled E-T-H-O-S life.com slash velvet. Go to ethoslife.com slash velvet to get your free life insurance quote today. Ethos Technologies Inc. operates in California as Ethos Life Insurance Services. Not available in all states in prices subject to underwriting and certain health questions. What true. What about, you know, with reboot mania, you know, so hot these days like has there ever been like serious talk like you know in the past few years to really kind of reboot the brady bunch that you know of or with you guys Listen, we we re- we invented rebooting <laughs> we've been doing it since 19 we, we, we were doing it while we were doing the show we, we're doing a cartoon show and then we went went into uh the variety show and then we had the, the christmas special and then the brady girls got married and the brady brides and we had the brady's and then so I think, uh, as Chris pointed out, there's there is an orbit. There is the orbit of Bradyness, and so you never know when it's going to uh, point its finger next. If they were going to reboot it, like say they came to you guys and they were going to reboot it, you know, like a lot of shows, like just kind of start over. Like say they wanted to start it over and really have like people that were your ages around them, you know. Now, like, are there any like young teen actors that you can think of off the top of your head to play like? Greg or Bobby or Peter? <laughs> oh, a real remake, huh? I don't know. I'm not sure I'm aware. Who, who yeah, no, we'd have to put some time into the casting of that. Uh, certainly any reboot would be slightly different, but it would have at its core what it was. We believe the core is of this thing, and that's... Um, the it's about support and it's about love i mean it comes back to love it's about how individuals treat one another even if they don't agree or do something that's off-putting at the end of the day uh your family's got your back and you've corrected course if you were off um and you're respected you know one of the few shows where adults respected kids and kids respected adults and, um, you know, may, may, maybe that arc is um, a longer one, but maybe there's value in that. I don't I honestly don't think a show, a, a, a remake, a literal remake of the show would work today. It's it was it was a time and it was a style and it was appropriate uh, then. But I think tastes in many ways have changed and and certainly the uh, technologies has changed it. And I think our addiction to the cell phones and. And, and, and things like Instagram, choo, 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 swipe, 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 uh, has, has created a different kind of uh, audience. I think that, that the Brady's, uh, since we're kind of aspirational, it would be that those who grew up with us are now, you know, owners of their own family. 
They're probably grandparents at this point. And they're probably, their life is a little different than they envision by and large. And there's, you know, I'm sure that they'd be curious to see, well, what happened with the Brady's? Did theirs also go off path and, and how did they get it back? So with that, um, maybe maybe the comet comes back around and uh, we're able to show a different side of Brady. Or you make a good point, age of Brady. We might have played Brady's on TV, but we were not Brady's in real life. <laughs> now, <laughs> right? I do know that. No, I'm not sure that everybody knows that. You know, I mean, I know you do a lot of like the conventions and I mean, I imagine you guys get recognized walking down the street. But yes, that I know. But I imagine not everybody does, right? Like that, I mean, people might blur that line just because you are in so many homes. And like Mike was saying, like twice twice a day as they were making their peanut butter sandwiches and after school. You know, crazy ideas come our way. The last of which is the mass Singer come out of the blue. So back when uh, reality television was sort of uh, just getting rolling, this is, uh, you know, 2007 or eight. I, and I believe my brothers here were also uh, called on this. An opportunity was presented um, about a casino group putting together a hotel that's going to have themed rooms. And I said, uh-huh, okay. Um, and what's the show about? Well, we're going to make a Brady room. I get it. I get that. Okay, so and what is our role in this? Well, you're going to live in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah i say live in the room yeah just like you did just like you live just like you did on the show and i you realize this is a reality show and we're not a real family <laughs> so that didn't really happen so how are we to live together <laughs> without it being scripted because it's not like it's a real family we're not you know um ozzy and harriet um, people do lose track they do. Well, what about, listen, I mean, if anyone knows about reality TV, you guys were on The Mass Singer, you know, you were on Surreal Life, Christopher, My Fair Brady, you guys did a very Brady renovation, which was great. Would you ever, like with like Maureen and Eve and Susan, like, would you guys ever do, and I don't know what that would look like, do a reality show, the six of you? I think my reality career is, is, is retired. <laughs> You've had some some doozies there. <laughs> yeah, I don't need any more. You have the, more. Uh, I like yes. the, the safety of a scripted arena. Is, there, are, is there, there are a ton of interesting, cool, uh, very strange things that are uh, that is the what the masked singer is. And um, one of which is that this is completely backwards. You you do all the publicity after the show. It's just so upside down and so strange. And I just think the weirdest ones become the biggest hits. And that, you know, Masked Singer is a gigantic hit. And, and you can see why, but it's just so strange. So I guess yeah. what Michael's telling me is, Chris, never say never. Right. It was it was an interesting <laughs> as they come. phenomenon. Um, both Michael and I had to travel from out of town to, to Los Angeles to do the taping. And of course, we, we you disappear for a week. Uh, 
your friends, everyone you know, family members, what they, you know, they want to know why or where you're going. The only person in my immediate world was my wife that knew where I was going. And no one, you know, absolutely no one for all these months, you know, for two and a half months now. And I keep saying, no, like, yeah, I can't, uh, I, I just can't talk about that right now. But uh, today I've been <laughs> texting with masses of people. <laughs> Have you heard like from, and what advice would you give? Like, you know, now we have the mummies, like maybe we'll have the mummets in the future with like Eve and Maureen and Susan. We can have a different costume, of course, but. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Sure. It'd be fun. What advice? Yeah. In fact, even even the girls uh, who, you know, we were in touch, all of us. um, We couldn't tell them either. They didn't know. They do now. Have you heard from any of them yet? I know it's only been a few hours. Yeah, we started. I have not. Pretty early. I I talked to Susan briefly last night. Yeah. Cool. Is she shocked? Um, she she said, "Oh, that's what you were doing." Like, yeah, we kept it a secret. The secret project. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm working on a secret project that I can't tell you about. We always know what each other are up to, you know, even if we're not involved. And um, there's always something, but not this time. You did. And like, you know, the fans online, you know, like I read all this stuff, especially. And I think that's a good point you made too, Mike, about like, I never really thought about, right, all the publicity is after the show, which is so when does that ever happen? But, you know, the fandom, no one, you know, unless it's happened in the past 24 hours, time and check, no one was really saying it was you guys. I mean, I knew it was you guys after I knew I was doing this interview. And I was like, well, I never would have got that. But a lot of people, I mean, that must be, you guys fooled a lot of people because, I mean, the online community didn't really peg you guys. I mean, I heard the Jonas Brothers, the Rascal Flats, a lot of people were saying. Yep, yep. Uh, I, I don't know how the judges ever can actually accurately. And Nicole came up with that. Nicole Scherzinger said, uh, you know, could be the Bradys. Could be the Bradys. Um, I don't know if she meant Brady, the Brady boys or not. But um, she, uh, how could you tell? I mean, there's just really nothing to give it away. Except clues. Except for when you're a group of three and it's a television theme, there might just be enough in the clue format. And, uh, and it's not a single individual which opens the, you know, the choice up to, you know, an entire constellation of people. You're limited to, okay, groups of three, you know, and not that we're, you know, a well-known group <laughs> or a group at all. Um they did. We got, you know, we got, we got outed even before we unmasked. When Nicole said that, I was like, wow. Yeah. I think she meant you guys. And, you know, before we wrap up and not to harp on this, but the one thing I was thinking, not, you know, if they were ever going to do a reboot of the Brady Bunch, you know, just with TV and Fox is great at this too, you know, like, but just like the diversity and inclusion now, like to me, it opens like, what if there was an interracial couple or like there were adopted children? Like, I just think that like in that sense, it could be a whole different show, but I do agree with you. Maybe it is a different time, like you're saying, but I just thought like the diversity aspect of it, you know, like with what they're doing with like the wonder years, like, I don't know. I thought that could be just a great take on it. All right. So we're writing that down. Yes. Or actually maybe you could write it. (laughs) Listen, stay tuned. Stay tuned. 
<laughs> you guys could take the idea and run with it. You have more connections in the Brady world than I do. So, you know, listen, I'm just trying to, Christopher, you have so many side businesses these days, you know, that are your day jobs. I'm just trying to, you have the production company. Maybe you can go and run with this. I'm going to go work. I'm going to pay more attention this time through if we do it so that I I can remember when we do a podcast in 40 years, you know, right. I can remember correctly what, what I was going through. Well, listen, people are still going to want to talk about the Brady's in 40 years. You know, the mass Singer, the Mummies, you guys have been so great to watch. I was so thrilled to know it was you guys. And, you know, thank you for entertaining me and so many others throughout and congratulations on this experience with the mass singer it really is a great job thank, thank you dick thank you Thanks, David. nice brady talking to all of you brady on brady on thank you bye 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 hey everyone this is david welcome back behind the velvet rope let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one the only danny bonaducci hey i love that guy who doesn't love that guy what is going on today? How is your, you're in Seattle, right? So I assume it's raining and cold. Uh, yeah, no, you'd be right. As much as I'd like to say, ah, oh, that's just a myth. No, it is raining and freezing and it'll only get worse. But I mean, the summers here are spectacular, but they're also maybe three months long and then it's crap all year. I am in New York City and let me tell you the weather here, same thing. We have a good fall and that's about it. Like the summer sucks, the winter sucks and you have like three good months. So yeah, yeah. well, that's enough. I totally get it. Well, listen, I want to talk about so many things. I want to talk about so many current things. But before we get there, when you look back to the beginning, when you were 10 years old, starting on the Partridge family, like, do you have memories at that time of like... Oh, well, of course, I remember some of my lines, man. I remember the dialogue. But, and this is only to brag to you, because I want to brag to you. 10 years old is not the start, even close to the start for me. I did a movie with Elvis Presley when I was seven. What were you doing when you were seven, man? Well, you were also on Bewitched and the ghost, the ghost and Mrs. Muir. So yes, you did a lot before the Partridge family. Well, thank you for knowing that. And you really at that age said, this is what I want to do. Like, did you have that consciousness of. I I really don't know. Because to be honest with you, I've always done it. I mean, I was making money on television when I was four and I knew it was good. I knew uh, I spent some quality time with my mom who passed away last week, week before that. Oh, wow. And, uh, Sorry. So, oh, thank you. But uh, yeah, I always wanted to do it as far back as I can remember. And I can remember pretty far back. I knew that this was the game for me. I would, my mom would pick me up wherever it was. because I only went to school to the fifth grade, man. And uh, we'd go out and she'd go quick, run in there while I get a parking spot. And it was a real bonding time for me and my mother. And then the Partridge family happened and all hell broke loose. Oh my God. So listen, growing up, do you remember your favorite show when you just couldn't wait to get home from school before streaming services? And it was like only a few hours until it came on. And it was that show, that that water cooler show that everybody was going to be talking about the next day at school. Well, listen, in the late 90s, I mean, what other show was there besides Buffy the Vampire Slayer? It was my absolute favorite. And I know a lot of people listening to this podcast are nodding their heads now saying, yes, I agree. Well, listen, I've got some good news. In a new podcast from Wondery, the rewatcher Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we are taking it back to 1999. That's right. We are entering the Buffyverse. So listen, join morbid co-hosts Ash and Elena as they slay their way through Buffy's drama, 
action and romance episode by episode. Enter the Buffy verse with Elena and Ash. Listen to the rewatcher Buffy the Vampire Slayer on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or listen early and ad free by subscribing to Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. My prayers have been answered. The rewatcher Buffy the Vampire Slayer can't effing wait. Remember the good old days, and I'm really dating myself here, I know, when you had to like go to your psychiatrist's office and like sit there and wait in the waiting room and it was quiet and you were looking at people around you and you had to wait and you had to walk there and you had to drive there. Mental health and therapy and psychiatry has never been so simple. Now that you're able to access mental health in the comfort of your own device, it's never been so simple to schedule. Talkspace, it's really changed the game. You can send messages to your dedicated therapist and the Talkspace platform. You could schedule your sessions. You can help set goals all from your device. You never have to leave your home. And if you're like me and you travel and you're really never in one place for more than a few months, it's great. You don't have to keep changing therapists. They have thousands of licensed therapists with years of experience in over 40 specialties, depression, anxiety, substance abuse, trauma, anger management, relationship issues, food, eating. As a listener of Behind the Velvet Rope, you get $100 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash velvet. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash velvet. To get $100 off, that's Talkspace.com slash velvet. What was being in a movie with Elvis like? Brief. Uh, And you know what the big drag is, man? Um... They don't really have the internet for back there. I can't get a good shot of me and Elvis. You're just going to have to take my word for it. Wow. Okay. That's right. That's in, someone's got to have a picture somewhere, right? I'm sure you've so tried it. We but... found a picture of Elvis looking this way. And we found a picture of me looking at Elvis, but we can't put those two together. Wow. That is, and you remember lines and stuff like that. Oh, I do that. Wow. You ready? Mafia guy. And we learned on that particular episode, you can't say mafia anymore. So we started calling the mob and the mob was after me. And this is my favorite line of all time. Guy goes like this, cause I'm about to go in a swimming pool and I've got a rubber ducky on. And this guy being a real gangster chokes my, chokes my duck. And I say to him, and by the way, they're both holding me up in the air. And I say, excuse me, sir, you're squeezing my duck. And I will always remember that line. Wow. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but like, did you know at that young age that, you know, like this would be a show that would be nostalgic, beloved by people for generations? Like, could you tell? Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not sure that I, I could tell. What I could tell for real, and this is not an exaggeration, man, uh, the girls didn't matter to me like they once, uh, they would later. But first day after the party, line, the I Think I Love You is the number one song in the nation. And there's girls in my front yard and they got signs that say, we love Danny Partridge, which I took a little offense to, but I was 10, what the hell. But uh, you know, it, it, just everything became so amazing so fast. And even the, the downtimes that got a lot of play and a lot of, I didn't really mind them that much. I mean, sometimes it was cold, sometimes it was in jail, but you know, it was all such a wild ride and I'm really good at wild rides. Well, yes, you are. I mean, listen, it was only on the air for four years. So like you look at shows yeah. now, I mean, you know, that's the normal lifetime now, but like four years, like, okay, that's not that long, but it's such an iconic show. So like, what do you think it is about the Partridge family that just? Uh, for the most place, we were all so pretty, especially David and Susan, just uh, Shirley Jones at an Academy Award. But 
I don't know. Here, I will explain the list of not knowing things by the fact that I'm talking to you. How, how would I know that was going to happen? How would I know that you were going to be on that show? So it's all, it's all a guessing game, but it's a game that I really like playing. And every now and again, I'm good at. What were, like, if you, if I say what are the highs of that time, like when you were on the show, like, does anything stick out as like the highs of like just the best parts of it? I spent the weekend, several weekends with Academy Award winner Shirley Jones with uh, Sean Cassidy, Patrick Cassidy, and Ron Cassidy. What? That's a good breed. And I'll tell you that right now. And I had some problems at home, and you're so well researched. I'm assuming, assuming you know that. But I started going home with Dave Madden to his place, so I'd be okay for makeup because you know I showed up with a lot of bruises sometimes. Nobody wanted to wait for me to get makeup, so <laughs> uh, partners would draw straws to see who was going to take me home. And uh, 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 Dave Madden won. I went to his house so often, and he was like the probably one of the best friends I ever had. And I'm assuming he was 40 and I was 11. Which now you know someone might say, okay, this is a strange situation, but. By the way, they have. People said that. They did. It's, if it's nasty, you probably somebody said it about me. Right? But at least you say it in jest. Were, the, were your co-stars aware that there were problems at home? Like everyone was kind of aware of it. No missing it. It, it was a real thing. And uh, I don't remember the exact reason why this happened, but Shirley Jones had my father banned from the set. And, you know, he got... Most of the things he wanted by being uh, super clever and a lot of things he wanted by being super violent. And he couldn't beat this one. He couldn't go on to the set of his son's show. The power of Shirley Jones, right? Absolutely. What, well, you know, speaking of Shirley. She made a joke to me one time, real joke though, as she said, because uh, she knew I liked that she had this. So one day, she, I, I don't know if I said, who's, what if he shows up or whatever it was. And Shirley Jones picked up her Oscar. And said, I'll hit him with my award. That was the life I went. My, my friend Shirley Jones was going to beat my dad with her Oscar. It was awesome. Everything was great. She said, if he shows up, I'm going to hit him with the Academy Award. And it was upside down because she grabbed it by its neck and head and turned it this way. But that would have been the base of it. And I'll tell you right now, he didn't notice that that happened. So how much then did Shirley become like a mother? Like you were, you know, because I think someone could have like two reactions to that. Like as a child, like, okay, I love this. But I mean, did you then flock to her in that sense of like, this is a protective figure. Well, I think, well, yes, yes, of course, that's what it was. I didn't think we were going to go out dancing. But uh, she was just so kind to me and went out of her way to make me feel important that I was part of a, you know, and this came up years and years later that I was a, a Cassidy, that I was in, uh, a, there's a Viking club. Don't know what it meant, but I just ran into Sean Cassidy. He said, don't you remember? We told you you could join our Viking club. Oh, that's right. I did. Sean Cassidy and I did magic shows together for birthdays in Beverly Hills. Like, I, I, I'm going to try it on because I don't really say this that often. I tell him the story and I go about my business, but it was great. It was all so great. And if I had to do it again with the nasty dad and the drugs and the not having a job for 10 years, I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. You would. Like, you don't have any regrets from that time. Oh, I have regrets. But there uh I just do that time again. It was, well, let me put it this way. If somebody punched me in the face and the outcome of punching me in the face was the rest of my life, matter let's go. I couldn't, I couldn't want a different life for a couple of reasons. One, I'm really good at this life. But two, I don't understand what it is. What do you mean regular life? What are you talking about regular life? Softball? Uh, you know, <laughs> no, man. I like this. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 would, I would think so. What was some of the, like, what was a low time during, like, the Partridge family? 
During the Pontiff Mountain, there, there weren't that many low times. You talked about Shirley Jones, whether I thought of her as a mother. She thought of herself as a mother. She doesn't like the story at all, but it's a fact she can't live with it. Um, I was being a jerk, and I was a jerk a lot. And I'm sorry about that. If I could go back and not be a jerk to grown men trying to do their job, I would, abso- you know, I would absolutely uh, uh, do that. Right, like they're just trying to do their jobs, and here you yeah. are. And- was, you know, I, I kind of, not only did I push them around, they couldn't push back. Like the guy I have become now, if a, a group or a best boy or whoever it was on the show punched me in the face, I'd know I had that coming. I was 10, so he'd get in real trouble. But, you know, I knew I was a big uh, albatross around some people's throats. Right. They're like, here comes Danny, just turn the other way. But they'd have big birthday parties for me and, you know, uh, they bring in caterers and stuff. Like I said, I'm, I guess I'm going to say this a lot too. It was just all so great. Even some of the bad parts were great. What about like, what did you learn from like David, Cassidy and like Shirley? Like what's something you take away of like, this is what I learned just from the business. I'll tell you what I learned from David Cassidy. And uh, it's not like he tried to teach me this lesson, but I learned it. I saw it happen. And that is, I learned the world is yours. Go get it. I saw people hurling things at David Cassidy. I said, I want that thing. How are they throwing that thing at my friend David Cassidy? So I figured out what it is because I was never going to go, <laughs> you can probably tell by now, I was never going to go on beauty. Nobody's ever going to say you're the handsomest guy, best looking girl in the whole wide world. But I got clever and I got real clever. This Were is the you... weirdest cast I ever did, man. Why? How so? I know you seem to have this, uh, if I am to re- represent all people, is anybody you want to talk to you? I want to tell you stuff. I want to do grand gestures like this. Say, oh, it was all great because I just want to do it. I like, listen, I like, you know, just cutting through it all and like really getting to know someone when they're here, I guess. Yeah. You know, and I think just from like, you know, the honest point of like, you know, like we're all a cognizant of like the business and how it works and certain things that come with it. And like, there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad, right? Right. Although I was really famous when I learned that lesson, so it does turn things weird. So that's where, when the Partridge family ends, like you were very open about, I mean, you've made statements about, you know, like that's when you were broke and homeless, like walking, you know, the drugs, walk me through that. Red sweatshirt on, and my wife said, are you sure you want to wear that? And I said, yeah. You want to find a disrespectful one? She said, no, because I have a big thing about that. She said, no, but it's got, uh, it's got Johnny Cash on it. And every time somebody says, hey, is that Johnny Cash? I say, yeah, but I was arrested twice, twice more than that guy. Thinking that's some honor that I've been arrested more times than Johnny Cash. But I'm, what I'm saying, I am open in Austin. Uh, when my radio show starts in uh, the morning, my producer put together a whole bunch of things on it. Uh, and one of the things was Shirley Jones saying, go to your room. And why is that interesting to me? Is She pointed up a flight of stairs and said, Danny, go to your room. So I was being a jerk on set. And they looked and said, there's no room. There's no upstairs. There's none of that. They're gonna, you're going to say that. You're going to say, go to your room. They're going to cut and we're going to be a mile from here when we do the um, the other scenes. Uh, so she will dispute that, but I, I was right there. She yelled, Danny Bondici, you go to your room. And you're like, there is no upstairs. There is no upstairs. And the stairs, have you ever seen uh, fake TV stairs? They actually go up, but they get smaller. So the distance between them is uh, kind of an open, uh, that, that, oh, that's going up somewhere, but it's not, it's just fake. Interesting. How are you, were you shocked? Like, you know, people think, like, oh, you know, you're on a hit TV show. Like, there's no way you could be broke after that. I mean, like, you know, if you're in the business, you understand how it works. But does this still shock you when people are shocked by that? You were talking about shows today and one of the differences. Uh, they've been on four years or five years or six years. 
I will tell you something about the uh, Modern Family cast. The kids did equity versions of, and it was $400,000 per episode. Go ahead and ask me what I made per episode. What did you make? I mean, I could guess, but probably yeah, oh, not. Yes, I, would I would have said like $1,000. Oh, that would have been close, 400 400 wow. <laughs> to beat Danny Partridge, but like it wasn't all pretty, but the things that went well for me, aside from some things that were drama, you know, it was always, like some people say, hey man, how could you really live like that? Do you really live in your car? And by the way, that's exaggerated, but I spent a lot, a lot of time there. But when you look back on it as being a super famous guy living in the back seat, that's interesting to me. That's, I, 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 if somebody else said it about them, I'd say, oh man, that, that's wild. Well, uh, I used to get woken up by the cops all the time. They knew who I was and they said, you can't stay here. And they said, where, where can I go? And they did the old bar line. You have to leave. I don't care where you go, but you have to leave. Did you get special treatment when you were being woke up by the cops? You know, like celebrity is a powerful thing. You might remember those from the Inquirer, how the special treatment I got in. Uh, no, I mean, they were nice to me if they got a break to be nice to me. But I'll tell you the things I know about cops is they do their job. If it wasn't if it was my job and it was okay and you don't have to arrest me, That'd be great, but they'd arrest you. They'd arrest their buddies. It's their job and they're good at it. And you made 400 an episode like throughout the whole run of the show, more or less? Last season, six. Wow. When you, yeah, well, there you go. You do the math and yeah, that's- You were just saying about going broke and you must not. I was broke always. There was no money ever, you know? I, the whole sum of everything I made, including residuals, was $72,000. And when I turned 18, and I $72,000, I spent it in an afternoon. So I've always, always been broke. There are times when I was a little more flush. But then, Ray, I'll tell you, radio, don't worry for me. I do, I do fine in my radio job. Were you ever then, you know, bitter? Like, okay, look at Shirley, look at Susan Day, look at David Cassidy. No, uh, you could, David Cassidy was a separate animal. But when you get to the part show, I'm the guy. That's all there is to it. I'm not pretty, but I'm adorable. And apparently I'm real funny. And that meant that meant a lot to me. So I don't look back on it. Much like the current things, uh, not my radio show, because that's really good. But, you know, uh, uh, I don't I don't look back on anything and sad that it happened. That's a good attitude, I think. Well, it's not my attitude. It's a thing. It's nothing I'm doing to feel better about myself. It's just the way my life is going. Did you take any memento from set? Hey, honey. Did I ever take a, a memento from the set? Oh, yeah. Can you get it for me? Yeah. You're like this. Because I feel like I'm the type that takes, you know, like you're sentimental. You're like, I'm leaving. David Cassidy stole $25,000 worth of equipment and guitars and things like that. I don't know about the other guys. I was a little bit bitter about that. But I got, man, this is so cool. I really like this about to happen. I got this. That's the sign from my dressing room door. And that's what I got. And I'm thrilled. I'm talking about the, the moments with my mother, although you weren't talking about that, I was. But we were bummed that I didn't get anything in the partridge. Really. She, she went back to the set and she had to argue her way onto the set already. She took, but you can't see right here this whole, she took I a could... screwdriver and took this off my dressing room door. And I, you know, like, like I said, she passed away a couple of weeks ago. But that, that means the world to me. And it's not just because she passed, that meant the world to me from the get-go. I had this. It has the law. That's, that's, yeah. And I like it. Uh, uh, contest. I'm the purple one. 
Jason says, wait, what? what? What color partridge was Danny Bonaducci? The answer is the purple one. Uh, Shirley Jones, David Cassie, Susan Day, Danny Bonaducci, Brian Forster, Suzanne Crow. I love it. And David Cassidy has $25,000 worth of equipment. Yeah. He, oh, I stole one of his jackets one time, not at the end of the show. I just stole it. It was out there. Luckily, I was still skinny because that man's a stick. And I reached into the pockets and there's a big, gigantic joint. And I guess the partridge was over. I went out. But I was 14 and I had a joint. By the way, marijuana was terrible back then. I could have smoked nine of those things and nothing would have happened. But I like the story. What do you think about, you know, child actors today, you know, like people coming up with social media, like, do you think it's harder or easier? Kind of like social media celebrities uh, in, in my world. Sorry about that, man. Uh, but I like the, the things that I understand. So I like auditioning. I, that's funny because my job's here is over in three years and I'm going to get an agent again in Los Angeles and go for some parts. It'll be really, really fun. Uh, but, you know, I, yeah, I like the fact that you have to put in the work. I like being clever because I walk in with a bad throat and five foot six. But if you need somebody clever that looks remotely like me, I'm going to get that job when I get back to Los Angeles. Matter of fact, if you know anybody, set me up. Although it's three years away. I will hook you up when you're done with your radio gig. Are you going to, are you planning to like leave Seattle then and go live in LA full time if you get a job? I love Seattle, but I can't leave fast enough. And that's nothing bad about Seattle. It is about the weather and uh, I, I have I have a real aversion to being cold. I shake because it's awful. So I'll be I get right it. That I'll show you. But you're in New York City, right? Horrible weather here. We have October, November, and December. You put up with it because it's the holidays and it's festive. Right. <laughs> right. Otherwise, the summers are miserable and the winters are worse. So it's like, how glad are you that you got to say that you take anything from the show? And I have this. I prepared for you all night, apparently. That's listen. That I think that's is that. I mean, wouldn't would you rather have that or would you rather have the twenty five thousand dollars of? Oh, I'd rather have this, but there's something different. Is I have twenty five thousand dollars. I don't. I don't have to do that. But David has twenty five thousand dollars. He still stole. I think there's something fun about having the thing that you have in your possession. You stole. I think that's a good time. And the thing you had to like remove from the door. I mean, it's not even like you stole it. It's like a complicated steal. No, the thing with screwdrivers, I don't think they had electric screwdrivers back then. My mom was not to be displayed. What advice would you give like child actors coming up now that are starting around when you started? I would say the big thing, and if they want to ask me about acting, I guess I could pull that one off. Big one, it's just boring as hell. Save your money. Absolutely, save your money. Uh, pay yourself for uh, Shirley Jones' uh, late husband, Marty Ingalls, came up to me at one point. He really liked me. He's a big fan. And uh, he said, pay yourself first. Get what you can live with and the minimum you can live with and then pay yourself the rest. And you know what? That was, that was uh, fine information from that guy. And he was a maniac. I didn't know he could ever be right. But he was also funny and correct. It's just like save that money. Save that money because... If you're not lucky, if you show up with another skill like me and radio, if you're just Danny Partridge in the truck, it doesn't change. It doesn't change. You don't have any more education than you did. You're not more clever than you were. So yeah, save, save your money. What about when you see children that are like, you know, two, three, you know, I think of like the Olsen twins now. I mean, you clearly didn't say you wanted to do this at three years old. I mean, you don't have a, so what do you say then? Like when people's parents are obviously putting them in this. Right. So then when someone, you know, I think says, wait, I don't want to do this and I'm five or however old. Are they remotely good? Are they talented youngsters? 
Well, yeah, and I guess in this scenario, sure. Go, 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 go. And if it's not your dream, you know, it's your job. Do it till the thing runs out. We'll do it while you're going. What's your face? Me, Alan Bollock is an actual neuroscientist. It's not all dark water, man. People can really uh, pull through. And now she's back acting again, too. Yeah, and making a million, get ready, a million dollars per episode. That's a week, a million dollars a week. They all just agreed agreed when they were going to go into negotiations. Why don't you just give us all a million dollars till, till this show's over and next year? They went, yeah, okay. And everybody on that show got a million dollars per episode. For a big bang, bang theory. And it's a good sportsmanship of that, uh, the, the lead character. What's his name, do you know? Johnny Galecki. No, or he's very- Jim Parsons. Yeah, that guy did not have to be said, no, give me 5 million and give them all 300,000. But he did not do that. They've done that a couple shows that I'm a fan of. Uh, Friends ended up a million dollars an episode at the end. I was talking to uh, Matthew Perry. I want to say the other day, it was a couple of years ago, actually. And he said, he was giving him not, not a speech, but you know, you could tell it was important to what he said. And uh, he said, I, I can't, I can't believe it. You know, I, I wasn't going to show up for the set and I was mad at Julia Roberts and I threw up at the Academy Awards, but you know, but I, but I have an extra $170 million. But at some point, where does it go? What? It goes into my pockets. That's where it should go. $170 million for a hack actor. Although I happen to think he was the talent, most talented one on the show. Wait, he, was, he wasn't going to show up where? Because he was mad at Julia Roberts. The, uh, well, that's the Academy Awards. And then the last season of, uh, of Friends. He said, I just can't do it. I'm not going to do it. But he had already done it. This was a, a tale in retrospect. He had already done it. But why should that guy have $170 million? That seems crazy. And I look up uh, net worths all the time. It's my hobby. Or hobby. Sex and drugs. No. Now I say uh, John Gilbert, net worth. Do I look up net worth quite often, too. Do you think those are accurate? I think we're twins. Uh, I, look, I, I don't take the first one and go. I take the first one, I see how many match up to that. And so often I find them to be correct. And you know what bugs me a lot? A lot of the Bradys have money. How is that How is that even possible? I'm the talent, I'm the guy. How do you guys have money? I never looked up the Bradys, but I guess I'll have to. Yeah, yeah. What Bradys have the money? Like Maureen McCormick, I would no, assume? Uh, uh, two people's moms bought them beach houses. And they were really good, and they uh, they hung on to them, and just sold two of the people sold them for five million dollars each. Hang on one second. Oh wow! Well, there you go. And then I was going to ask you why why was Matthew Perry mad at Julia Roberts? They were boyfriend and girlfriend for a while, and I bet she caught on that he's always going to be high and drunk, and she didn't like it. So we had this big fight with her a long time before it happened. And you remember he was at rehab. And he's telling me the, the story in the same rehab that he did this. He said, he looks up, there's Julia Roberts hosting the Academy Awards. And he says, with white crap in the corner of his mouth, he says, I'll, I'll take you back. Good story right there. Like, what, what is it worth you to have what you wanted? And he ended up, he seems to be, according to, because he was, when I was in rehab, and I don't think he'll mind me telling the story because it's a good story. He was graduating rehab at that moment. So I'm going in, he's coming out. And he goes and he talks to somebody. And he comes back and he said, come here, get in the car. I said, you know, I could probably take this guy. How weird's it going to be? And he goes, listen, for the next 30 days, I'm your driver. If you have an appointment with your lawyer or the courts, I'll take you. And he did. So whatever you hear about that guy, 
he gave up a month of his life to, to you know, drive me around town to legal matters, uh, psychiatric things. You know, he's a good, he's a good guy. Just here, he's in real trouble now, and that's a drag. Yeah, that is a drag. And he wanted Julia Roberts back when he was there in rehab, and he sees she's posting the Academy Awards. Yeah, she's the real dude. He's an Academy Award and an Academy Award winner, and he can't get out of the bathroom. So yeah, <laughs> it's a good story. So give me one second here, for God's sure, sake. Sure, take your time. Thank you. Why can I get because in two seconds I'm going to give this up. Yeah, I'm so curious. Barry Williams Network. About to have your answer, man. I think it's going to be six. Barry Williams has six million dollars. Not bad for a guy. You know, he lives in Branson now with his wife that he apparently really likes, and things work. Things worked out for that guy. I don't wish the Brady's a lot of success. But, uh, you know, he would, <laughs> he, he lives in Branson. He does his job and God love him. He can't fight for crap. I did a celebrity boxing thing where I dropped him eight times. You're not even allowed to drop anybody eight times, but they just didn't care about his well-being. You did well at the celebrity boxing. Never lost a match. Absolutely not. Uh, I have one uh, tie. And then between me and Jose Canseco, he's 6'6", 265 pounds professional athlete. And I'm a middle middle-aged uh, a guy that I said to him, I said to him in the beginning, it'd be crazy if I said to you, I'm going to knock you out. I'm not going to knock you out. But if you can't knock me off my feet, you're a loser. <laughs> what was that over? What a stupid thing to say to Jose Gonzago, but he could knock me off my feet. And I take real solace in that. Wow. If you could fight anyone in celebrity boxing, who would it be? Are me now or am I 20 years younger? Now. Uh, n- now. Like if, so who's what's poor old man is fighting me? And uh, I haven't given a lot, a lot of thought. Or like, twenty years ago, like did you have a like number one wish list? If they, yeah, you probably actually saw this one and it wasn't in a ring. Did you see my fight with Johnny Fairplay? Yes. How sad was that for that guy? I didn't expect anything. All his teeth got knocked out, and I'm thinking it's some little part of it. It's a joke, no big deal. I didn't even hit him. He jumped on me, and I didn't like it, and I threw him off. But apparently he was too high to protect himself. Land on the ground, all his teeth came out. And so wow. then he sued me for $10 million. And I got really mad about it. Not that he's suing me. Of course he's going to sue me. But um, then I had to drive to downtown to get a parking spot and meet with lawyers. I just hated it. And uh, uh, I said, we went outside to smoke. We all still smoked. And I saw a dime on the, on the sidewalk. And I picked it up and I'm going to go like this. This is the only dime you'll get from me, lawyer. And the rat bastard beat me to it. I picked up the dime and he said, yeah, yeah, that's the last one I'll get from you. And it was, he didn't get a dime. I, everybody's talking about how much can we work this out and uh, you know, make all par- par- parties leave happy. And then somebody said something I didn't like. And I said, everybody go to court. I don't, I'm not, whatever we're doing in here to not go to court is the opposite of what I want to do. Let's go to court. And I started growling because I learned that from my dad. Let's go to court right now. I walked outside again, and about 20 minutes later, they all came out and said, nope, we're all not going to court. They were like, this guy is not going to settle this. We better just walk away. No, he, he's going to settle with me not killing him again. Uh, but he knew he couldn't win. It was just, he jumped on me and called it some weird thing that had some reference to sex, which who cares? That's fine with me. But when his lawyer and the other lawyers heard that, that you jumped on a man and threatened sex, you lose, and that's what happened. So I didn't have to give him a dime. By the way... 20 years later, mind you, he turned out to be a pretty good guy. I did a podcast. I didn't like it. I didn't, I, I can't be you, man. But I did a podcast called Kicked Out of Hollywood. And uh, uh, I ordered him on because I thought this is going to be great. And it was great. But he didn't have a bad habit. He didn't have a bad thing to say about me. He was a completely changed man. And when he said, I read the Bible, 
I'm fairly good at the Bible. So I threw out a couple of things, see if he'd ever remember. Knew them all, knew them all. So I wonder why I wasn't set up. I didn't think this man could ever come off good. He's one of the worst people I ever met. And now he's good. Think about that if you're out there in podcast land. If you think this is as far as it goes, it's not. It always changes. It always changes. Always. always changes. Do you think, you know, like, as a child actor, like, you're, you know, I think of, like, you, listen, think you could argue it both ways, but I think of you and, like, Corey Feldman, and even, like, Lindsay Lohan. Like, there's a lot. Like, do you think as a child actor, you're more prone to fall into, like, the drugs and all that just because, like, who's going to say no? Or is no. that just, like, a gross overgeneralization? You know, I, I went to rehab uh, for 30 days, and there was no ex-child star there. Just me. So, no, I don't, I think... You can be exposed to more than you used to be exposed to it. No, I don't think that's a thing. I don't think ex-child stars have it any more difficult than any other child. What about like the concept of fame? You know, like you said, like there were the girls on your front lawn, you know, you didn't really maybe appreciate it at the time, but certainly, you know, I mean, fame is like a pretty addictive drug in and of itself, right? Yeah. Do you know the show, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman? Yes. Well, Joe Lando, the guy, the beautiful guy with the long hair who throws axes and stuff like that, we're having a conversation one time, and I, I think I think I'm falling back into the money. Things are going to controversy, and he says, "You know, the fame means nothing. You just got to have the money." And I said, "Oh no, you can't buy fame. I want to be famous. Give me. I don't care if I have to starve. I want to starve famous." And then several years later, he goes, "Well, that was a stupid thing to say." And I called him up. I said, "Remember when I told you that? I was I was totally wrong. Sorry." I agree. I mean, were you aware when you were young of like the concept of fame, like that you were different, had certain privileges, maybe that others didn't as far as like access? Well, here's, here's the thing, man. Uh, I saw the uh, first episode of the Partridge Family and I lived in a really nice new neighborhood. It was great. Uh, everybody knew that kind of stuff. So we watched the first episode of the Partridge Family uh, at a neighbor's house, Steve Breckett, coolest guy on the block. And uh, we all stood around and uh, talked about my famous and how great it was. And then his mom came in and said, oh, lights out. And oh, yeah, I have no bedtime anymore. That's not a real thing for me. But these guys all had to go to bed. Hey, everybody be home on the street. Lights are on. Nope, not me. Not ever. Didn't have to do it. So there's a benefit, right? Yeah. Oh, no. Man, I got to tell you, there are very few things uh, that I'm ashamed of or sad about. Uh, but being famous is not one of them. I mean, I, I, I could see that. Well, out of all the things you've done, there's a lot of people listening to this podcast that are huge reality TV fans. So Breaking Bonaduce. Where... You asked me, do you have any, uh, are you sad about anything that happened in your life? Yeah, Breaking Bonaduce. Never seen it. I'm ashamed of it. I can't believe it. I can't believe VH1 let me do it. I was, you know, a maniac on drugs and alcohol and anything could happen. And it did. I, I jumped out of a limousine going 30 with no shirt on. They should not have allowed that. But, uh, you know, I, I say with some pride that I've never seen it because it's hard to say, no, I've never seen something so famous. But I haven't. I'm embarrassed about it. Um, yeah, that would be my one big, hey, why, why did you do that? Do you, know, you the, hey, I got drunk and ran into a church or do the Breaking Bonaduce. I'd pick the church. I'd run down a church before I did Breaking Bonaduce again. Really? Yeah, it was awful. Were you aware, did you feel like you said you were high during most of it, which I mean, everyone knows, because I mean, it was, everyone saw it or whoever saw it, but like, were you aware, you know, that producers were like, you know, I mean, I don't even know if exploiting is the right word, but like, go, jump out of that limo shirtless, like the more is better. I'm, I'm the exploiter, not just me. 
give me the opportunity to show me some way to do it. I'll do it to you. <laughs> but, you know, no, that's that's my only big regret. And, uh, you know, I've jumped out of other stuff at other speeds. It's not the end of the world. It's just that I put my name to it. Breaking Bonaducci. I If there's any writing, which there isn't, uh, in the reality shows, I'm responsible for that. So I don't hate anybody for doing it. I, if I had to hate anybody, it would be me, but I don't. And you think you'll never watch it? No, 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 no. I know it happens. I didn't go completely blank. So let's say there's 100 things and I know 14 of them. That's enough. That's enough. What do you think about, you know, look at like the Kardashians? Like, look what, like, what do you think of the Kardashians and like where reality TV is today? Love them and they're geniuses. If uh, everybody hates everybody, hates the Kardashians. If you could do that, would you? I don't hate the Kardashians. I agree. They're billionaires and they sing and they do makeup. No, I don't, and I don't think there's any accidents in their family. I think they're brilliant. I know you could, it'd be easy to make fun of me when this is over and please feel free. I think they're, if not all of them, somebody is a genius somewhere. Probably Ryan Seacrest who brought that show to us. I would agree probably with all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you like it because I do too. And so a lot of guys say, no, real guys can't watch that. Well, I'm a pretty real guy and I love it. And I think, listen, everyone I know that's ever, I mean, I think they work. I mean, you don't just, it's, listen, it's not two years. It's not, I mean, it's many, many years now that they're on TV and people are still watching. They're printing money, you know? And it's like I said before, it's, uh, uh, I don't think it's an accident that they're billionaires. I think the weirdest thing is Caitlyn Jenner. I can't follow that one, but you know, I believe that it was his, what he wanted to do with his life. You can see he was transitioning a year before he did it. So, you know, that's gotta be remarkable to try and walk in a restaurant. He's, he's as famous as any Kardashian ever now. Uh, but uh, I also, uh, my, he came up to me and asked me for my, my autograph when I was about 10 or 11. And then I was hoping that he'd remember that moment because I got married to Amy. And as I was saying, I was, hey, thanks for giving me that autograph back in 72. Gotta love that guy. She, Caitlin asked you for an autograph when you were, Yes, she was Bruce Jenner at the time. It was 1973. Wow. Yeah. They're all, I mean, I think the, I mean, listen, I think the Kardashians is the closest thing we have to like a first family. It's like, there's no oh, move they make. That was really well said, man. If, they, if America has a first family or a royal family, it's the Kardashians. And if you stop being a jerk and think automatically they're stupid or something, you realize not a bad family to be in. Nobody gets hurt, at least not physically. They're all rich. They're all pretty. No, that, they're a good time. And other than, I mean, there's a lot of drama, but not really. Like, you never hear of something really, I mean, I guess you do, but I don't know. I, I, I think they know what they're doing. I think they know what they're doing, absolutely. And I think they're really good at it. What about, like, Real Housewives? Like, is your wife a fan of Real Housewives? Like, what do you think of all? She's a crazed woman. I look at my TV show before I go to bed and ask, what, what have you recorded and what do you want to record it? Housewives, Bachelor, Bachelor Ivan, Love Island. Oh, she loves it. And everyone I've watched because they're hard to sit through if, you, if you're not if you're not digging it. Nothing really wrong with any of them. They get accomplished what they what they want to. They need to do this on Love Island. Somebody's got to get drunk and have sex on this island, and they do everything. You know, they. I know what I would want from Love Island if I was watching, and that's somebody's got to get drunk and have sex, and they always do. It's a good time, man. What would you do if your wife came to you and said, listen, I just got a call. It's this, it's Ryan Seacrest. We're doing a Seattle housewives or whatever. You're moving to LA. How would you feel about that? I couldn't tell her to do it fast enough. I think that'd be way fun. The problem is if she does for those things, what she does for me, she spends a good time saying no to things. 
I got offered a lot of money uh, to do reality stars reunite, whatever the hell it was. And it was, it was six figures and it was a lot of it. And he said, are you out of your mind? You dragged yourself out of that crap. You can't do that. Like, oh yeah, you have my best interest at heart. What was the six figures? What was it for? Like, well, what's your exactly? It's for how much? Well, I was gonna say it could be like Celebrity Big Brother or like Dancing with the Stars or one of those. I mean, it was. Uh, what was it, honey? It was Celebrity Marriage Bootcamp. I didn't know you were listening. It was Celebrity Marriage Bootcamp. Boot and this is a big thing because they said don't repeat it. Two weeks, quarter of a million dollars. Wow. How'd she, how'd she say no? I know that we have money now, but that's big money. How can you say no to that? And she did. She said no, and she was a little bit uh, unpleasant about it. And by the way, unless I'm wrong, I think that's VH1 also, just FYI. So I'm just trying to help you out. Listen, your wife and I are just trying to help you out over here. I, I appreciate it, man. Would you ever do, so you would do some other type of reality show, like if it was right? Well, this is a reality show that I did it. We did uh, Battle of the Next Network Stars. And we were in the retro stars and somebody else was on the other side. We didn't think about it. We're old and in horrible condition. But the guys on the, they used to be on the show, they're still in their 20s. They just killed us. And they made a point to say this at the end. This was the most uh, upsided victory in the history of the show. They just kicked our ass. I love Battle of the Network Stars. That's a good show. Remember, Mount, you're, you're a kid at this point. Uh, remember Robert Conrad? Yeah, vaguely. And he's a little guy. Uh, uh, who the hell are we talking about? Robert Kaplan. No, he was a bigger guy, the uh, Matt, the Wild Wild West guy, that guy. Whatever it was, he was screaming that it was a cheat, that how could that guy beat me, Robert Conrad? And they did it again, and Gabe Kaplan kicked his ass again. And everybody was really embarrassed for him, but he should have known that was going to happen and not. He's that character. What about, you know, you had your own talk show for a minute, then you were on the other half with Mario Lopez and Dick Clark. Oh, Mario Lopez. Tell us. What about oh, Mario no. Lopez? Beautiful, and when I looked at this with David Cassidy, man, uh, same kind of thing. He'd come to work, and we have different gates to get through, and he'd always try and sneak through, but the ladies show up, and the ladies love them. I got in a boxing match with that guy, not celebrity or anything, just boxing. He loved boxing. And uh, I hit him, and his head went back, and he said, let's take it a little easier. And I said, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Boom! And I hit him a little bit harder. Again, I didn't mean to. He's a real boxer. And I went, oh, yeah. And he just went, boom! And broke my eardrum. First shot. First shot he gave me broke my eardrum. But I'm one of those guys, like when I was in school, I made friends with the guy I got in a fight with. I love Mario Lopez. What was... room and he's there always. Mario. Here's the movies that you should see this week on live matinee or whatever it is. He's always in my hotel room. Sounds a little weirder than it is. What was it like working with him? He's he's a gem. It's so weird because I've never used that expression ever, not even once. But uh, I said... Uh, I, he was, he was getting a little uh, confused about what to do and how to do it. And I pulled him aside because we're, we're about to go on. And everybody's going to go back and forth with what they ask, what they want to do. I said, forget that. You're the quarterback of this. Know what comes next and say it, and I'll take it from there. And I'll look at you, you know, and do the guy can do his job all the time. And um, Dick, uh, Dick Clark, also a gem. First episode of the show, he said to uh, uh, Mario Lopez, uh, you're not in that good a shape in Mario Lopez. You want to do a push-up contest? And Dick won. Now, I don't know if he could not do 74, but Dick Clark, at 74 years old, did 74 push-ups. And beat Mario Lopez. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That must have shocked. I mean, that would shock. That shocks me. It, it shocked everybody as it happened. And then we all went, oh, yeah, what did you expect? 
Dick Clark's going to win. That's what Dick Clark does. And he just a champ, that guy. And uh, I love going into his uh, dressing room and me and Moe would sneak into his room and mix everything that he had in such perfect place. And you just hear him. You'd go, he'd go in there and he goes, you bastards. And he'd come out and he'd chase us around and all good sportsmanship. But he was not to be fooled with. Uh, you know, Dick Clark was a real guy. Don't mess with Dick Clark. Oh, no, that's what I said. And now I say don't mess with Ryan Seacrest. Oh, I don't. What was his, his uh, net worth is, I think, $240 million. Is it? Really, yeah, I think so. I checked. I'm in the ballpark, right? I thought it was like $400 million, but I could be wrong. You know, once you get over the $100 million, I don't care. Give it to me. Yeah, I don't think either of us should feel sorry for Ryan Seacrest during this chat. Right. What about, did you like, like, the concept of a talk show? Would you do another talk show? Oh, I would most certainly. If they have an opening for a 62-year-old men and the demographic that we pull. But I would, yeah. I, I did a couple of them. Uh, Stephanie Miller, you know her? Stephanie yeah. Miller, she, uh, she had a faltering talk show, and I had a faltering, uh, faltering daytime talk show. And they said, you want to try your hand at nighttime? And I said, I do. That's what I, That's how I got here. But there's just too much money spent on uh, uh, other things, and they, they couldn't give it to me. I wish that had it. But I had the daytime, the Danny show. That was great. I thought that was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I got it by being good on the radio. They were in my radio uh, studio going, what can you do? And I said, Here's this is period of interest. Watch this. And just, boom, and the world exploded. And they went, all right, you're hired. Did you do any research? Because, like, the other half was, I mean, it was billed kind of, like, as the male view. Like, did you speak to any of, like, Barbara Walters or anyone who worked at The View? I, I did The View after doing Breaking My Adichie. <laughs> Uh, uh, Barbara Walters said it, I quote, I will not speak to him, and walked off. Because <laughs> they had seen uh, Breaking Bad Duty, that's what we wanted to talk about. And then it got in there, oh, this is real. This guy really did this. This guy really, you know, uh, got really drunk, got in fistfights. I'm not talking to him. And the rest of the show talked to me, and they really loved me. But she, she doesn't know if she loves me or not, because she didn't take the opportunity to speak to me. So, like, you were on The View, the panel, and just Barbara was backstage somewhere? That was that was it. And oh, by the way, if they wanted to take a dime, if they thought I was ashamed of that, every five minutes during my interview, I'd go, huh, I wish Barbara was here. Why the hell do you think Barbara Walters is not here? Because I was ashamed. I actually took, I made her mad enough to quit her own talk show. It was great. Wow. Well, I mean, you hear all these things throughout the years on The View and that's, there's rumors, you know, Barbara wouldn't put up with what she didn't want her. So there you go. It's, it is kind of a badge of honor. They're having a little uh, to do with Whoopi Goldberg right now. They are. They suspended her. That's kind of childish, but if it'll get her back on TV, because that's where she was born to be. Were you, you don't think they should have suspended her? I don't know exactly what she did. I, I got the idea of what she did, but you can make a bunch of, of mistakes. And here's the thing. Whoopi won't cry stupid. I'd have cried stupid. I'd have said, Oh man, I was growing up. Uh, I was. This is what I learned at school and in and in church, and I didn't know what hurt anybody. I am so sorry. And if I can come over and mow your lawn, I will do that. That's what I would do. We'll be, you know. She said sorry, and she'll be back in a week. You think she's deaf? Because like you look at like a Sharon Osbourne who also won't cry stupid. Sharon's like, I'm not apologizing for this. Sharon's, we, Sharon's great. She doesn't. I don't think she cares. I think she just. She doesn't. If you can hang on to being married to Ozzy Osbourne for 20 years or whatever it is, you can take anything. Sharon's tough, right? Yeah. What do you think about, you know, you have your own radio show. Like, what do you think about, you know, cancel culture and where we are? Like, you say a lot of things during the day. I say a lot of things. Hate it, hate it, hate it. If, 
if I can be taken to task over all the stuff I have said on radio, but they, they, they separate that a little bit, although Joe Rogan can be considered in radio. But once Howard, Howard Stern broke loose, you can say anything you want, anytime you want it. It's changing now, but I don't like it when, uh, you know, they had cancel culture, and I learned this this minute, so if I don't have information, but my opinion is they had cancel culture on uh, Governor Cuomo. Yeah, Governor Cuomo. And he stood his ground. He had to get up his job because, you know, it's just too confusing. I watched the news this morning. He's coming back. Everyone, yeah, okay. Apparently everybody says everything about everybody. You don't have to fire a governor. I think it's, it's we're in a strange state now. I, I agree with you, man. I spent, and let's know now, but when this all started happening, I was fairly afraid. And <laughs> what I did is I got down on both knees and I said to my wife, here's the things that I have done. There's no way that that's not going to come up. And they didn't come up. And I'm guessing because I wasn't important anymore is what one, you know, the deeds and things did. But, yeah, I, I, I fear cancel culture. What, what about uh, Dave Chappelle? I don't even know what he did. And there was a protest outside his door. This world is very sensitive. Like, I'm the type, whatever I am, like, I'm gay. I'm, I don't get offended personally. That's just me. You? Gay? I, it's shocking. I know, Danny. I know. Like, we have a big reveal here 40 minutes into the show. I know. But I don't get, like, I truly don't get offended. People are like, but if they said that about this, I'm like, no, I, I just don't get offended. That's me. But I don't think everybody, but a lot of these people are not mean spirited. They're stupid. So right. I think your, your feelings, uh, you'd look at it and say, oh, you're stupid. That means nothing to me. So to a guy like you, Somebody'd have to try and hurt your feelings, and I don't think I don't think you'd take it. I think you're the man, right? And then there's people with like ants. Say it again. I said, uh, uh, I said you're the man, and then I said, ooh, it's almost romance. I'll take it, but no, I mean that's different than people with like you know pure hate in their heart. Like everyone gets offended. But speaking of Stern, like you are, you have your radio show. Like, what do you think of Howard? I mean, he's just a genius, right? You know what? He had a big part in getting me started, and I could never say anything negative about the guy because this is this has been great and this turns into a, it's a 30-year run i've been on the radio for 30 years wow the part of is four years four years i'm on the radio uh and i make a lot more money than 400 dollars a week now know everything about and a lot of that has to do with stern and god love him what do you love best about your job in the radio um I, well it's the way i do it um a lot of people have said that what i'm about to tell you is a lie and I've got people who can back me up. I don't do anything. I walk in, I turn on the microphone, I start talking. I have no notes. I don't know what's happening next. I like, I like it that way. Don't you think that you and I are getting along quite well? Absolutely. That's a radio show, man. Does it, put a big microphone right here and we're, we're doing a radio, radio show. And by the way, we're good at it. This, I think this is going really, really well. Yes, this is going well. Yeah, I, I'm like, I do a combination of like prepare and know everything about you, but then just kind of let's see where this all goes. Where that works. I, I noticed it because a lot of the things you referenced about my early career, aside from that reference, haven't really come up. You thought to yourself, and I, I don't mean to tell people what you thought, I just I think you thought, oh, this is great. I don't need to do all that other stuff right now. I don't know. I don't need to know that Danny Bonadici was on Bewitched twice. Uh, I, I need to know if I speak to Danny Bonadici, he's going to speak right back at a pace that are really good. I think we're having a very good pace here. And I like getting in people's like minds, you know, I've just, like I said, like fame and celebrity, just like what it all means, you know, yeah. and 
on that note, like, you know, you said, like you, there's nothing that's been said about you that, you know, you, what, have you ever read something though? That's, so, let me just say this real quick to your point. So I tend to forget things these days. There's not one nasty word said about me or a headline in the national park. That wasn't accurate. They were all right. They were, uh, if you look at my book, it'll, I'm sure you can find it somewhere. It's me on a bar stool reading the National Enquirer. And it says, Danny uh, Parker's dead broke and starving. Danny Bonaduce living on Sad and Sad Boulevard. They were all real headlines. I picked them myself. And so if you, that was, I don't have a secret in the world and I don't want one. It's much easier that way, right? Yep. Do you ever read something that like, you know, or what do you think is like a misconception of you? Or no, there are none. Everyone, like, you know, when you hear people, Danny's this, Danny's that, do you think certain things people get wrong? Yeah, I, but I think if you talk to a hundred people, they would say that guy's really smart. That guy's really clever. Now, one guy would say he's disgusting, no talent. Well, you know what? I can probably get more out of the disgusting, no talent than I can get out of the other guys. But you know, people have their ideas about me. Some of them correct, um, but I, I don't. I don't take any of that. I don't know if this is even an expression to the bank with me. I just do what I do. That's good. Do you ever get like tired of, you know, you go to these celebrity conventions, you know, like you've done a lot of things in your life. You've done a lot of guest starring roles. I mean, I've done one and I'm doing one next month. My wife made me do it. Why? Uh, Cause I can say this in one word, guaranteed. Apparently you can make a lot of money doing those uh, autograph shows. You can make a lot of money. I think it's probably an easy day. Maybe not everyone in your position it's, would agree with me. It's a weird day, but people are there to spend money to tell you how much they like you. Okay, I'm good. There's a, you know, it's weird sometimes. To, and I said, I won't do this. Please don't make me do this. It's too weird to do it. If I, oh, I'm your favorite. You're my favorite guy. I grew up watching it. And then to pull $20 from his hand is too obscene. So my wife becomes obscene and collects the money. That's how it works. There's someone, good cop, bad cop. And from my experience in going to them, it's whatever money you think it just, it's like the people that are there, it's like, they they can't say no for like twenty dollars more you get this then you get it's not even like you're trying to take advantage of people it's just they feel like this is their moment with you this is what I was told with kind of a cringed face the guy said they're dying to do this why would you not do this gonna guys this guy is gonna carry around this moment forever take his twenty dollars and say thanks and that's what I did and it came out to like seven grand on a Saturday afternoon right to show up. Put, put on your sweatshirt and there's no suit needed. There's nothing fancy, like, you know. You're, you're yeah. the person in the world that knows what I made on a Saturday that big of money. So I never told anybody. I was going to tell my father-in-law, but then it creeped me out. It'll just be our little secret. Thank you. Is there a part of the business that you haven't done? Like you wrote a book, you said, radio, talk show, acting. Like, is there a part of the business you want to do? I will have to say yes but I don't know what they are. It's all coming so fast. Is this it? Is this what I'd like to do later on? Is that what I'd like to do? So I don't know what the next thing is, but I will tell you, even in my uh, old life, I'd be happy to do it. And you want to do more acting? Like that's still in you? But I I don't want to do it because, oh, I'm an actor and to do this. I want to do it for fun. I want to be back on TV. You know whose job I would like to take? Not on that show, the old job, Married with Children. I want to take Ed O'Neill's job. Why am I not Ed O'Neill? I look like Ed O'Neill, <laughs> but I mean, you know, that character, you think about it kind of grumpy and stuff. Boom. I'll do that. Listen, there could be a modern family in your future. There could, there could be, there could be. And according to you, you will save every penny. Uh, 
Well, I got a couple of pennies nowadays, but I'll say my wife saves the money and she does a fine job at it. Do you love, like, is there ever, speaking of that, is there ever a role, like I spoke to someone who was an actress who almost got the Julie Bowling role, she says, like on Modern Family. Like, have you ever been heavily in the mix for something even in the past that like we know about where like, oh my God, that could have been you. And it turned out to be some big role or you turned it down. Oh, I never turned down anything, man. Who do you think you're talking to? That's smart. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, it, the showbiz that I know is, I think, a little more dirty than the show business we're doing right now. This is clean. You're having a good time. Uh, somebody else has a podcast. Somebody else is doing something on Twitter. I can't tell you excuse me, what I would do next because I don't know what's coming. I don't know what, what is next. But whatever it is, I'd probably do it. So why is this clean and how is show business dirty? Well, <clears throat> look around you. You got a pastel almost white behind you. You know, there's not a lot of moving parts, not a lot of grips, not a lot of cursing men to say, oh, we got to get this mother. Blah, blah, blah. It just looks clean and good to go. And it's a self-encompassed uh, what you do. You're like, you're the guy and you're going to do it. And whether you're good or bad will be up to you. That's what I like about it. Yeah. So have you ever almost gotten a role that, you know, like the Ed O'Neill role? Like you said, like I, I, I could picture you now that you say that as the next Ed O'Neill. Well, I was already on the show when I said I wouldn't do any more of the show. And that was an episode of Chips, which I did several episodes. And I was really good at martial arts. And uh, I don't know if they heard it. It was just lucky that uh, I was really good at the part. It was a guy who kicked ass. And uh, um, there was rumor that I was going to end up being this troubled teen. And I was going to start to give speeches to Eric Estrada's 12-year-old incarcerators. So uh, I was close. But I said... I said, I can't, I can't do it. But then I fell into radio because I really needed that job. I really needed that job. That job paid for my insurance for years. So radio really kind of saved you, so to speak. Yeah, it couldn't have been more horrible, man. It just, I, I'm not as either embarrassed about it or whatever it is that I could be. Because whatever I was before radio, I don't think it led me to radio, but it could have. But whatever led me to radio, I'll do that. I said that about a wife one time. She's in the next room. Whatever weirdness led me to my lovely wife, Amy, that'd be great. Whatever, whatever weirdness drove me to radio, oh, I couldn't be more grateful. What about, you know, it's reboot mania. Everything is being rebooted. Lots of stuff really successfully. What do you think of the idea of like a Partridge Family reboot? I, I'm a little old because I thought about this. I gave it some real thought. And that was, I would be, are you versed in these characters, the Partridges? You, well, I'll just ask you the question. You don't have to give you some kind of quiz. Uh... It was in negotiations to do a new partnership with me as Ruben Kincaid, the guy that handles the money. I could not have said yes fast enough, um, but uh, 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 they they couldn't do it. So they did a show called The New Partridge Family, and people uh, tried out to be the new Partridge Family. And I think one of them turned out to be a big star. Who was that, honey? Emma Stone. Emma Stone tried out to be uh, Lori Partridge. Wow. Yeah. How's that uh, uh, Academy Award now? So they were going to do that, but this show never went anywhere. The new part. Oh, what would the contest be? The new part that aired on VH1, uh, but no, it never came to close enough to actually decide and talk about money. But you were approached, or it was your idea to be like the Ruben Kincaid. I was one of the hosts of, of the show and the contest, so it was all good. Uh, but there were the numbers just said, "Oh, nobody cares that much about the new Partridge family." But to do that other show, because I mean, I think that like where you would have been like the Ruben Kincaid type. I'm too old. Ruben Cade dig this. I'm 62 now. Ruben Cade was 34. You know, you just forget. So, uh, yeah. 
what if they were going to go ahead and do like a reboot, like a TV show or a movie and cast, like, you know, we're going to cast, we're going to do a whole new cast of like young Hollywood. Anyone come to mind of who you would think should play Danny? Wow. Uh, no, because I would hate and resent that child very much. And I was uh, beside myself with this new Partridge. I, mean, I didn't even think about it. They were calling this other kid Danny Partridge. I, I didn't like it at all. But if there was a way, if you said, well, you're the new Ruben, or for whatever reason they wanted me on the show, I'd say yes. That, you know, it was a really good time. I didn't have a whole lot going on being a 10-year-old. I wasn't a great 10-year-old. And I would get to the set of the Partridge family, like, oh, I get it. You're king. And it was bitching. That's, I don't know, I, I think that's a good idea for a show. Me too. What about, you know, listen, you've had an interesting life. We just talked about it all. What if they were going to make a movie about your life? Any actors come to mind to play like a younger version of you? Well, they kind of did it. They kind of, they did a, a, a new part. Well, there was that show. What was your question exactly? Like if they were going to do a movie based on like Danny Bonaduce. Absolutely. Well, I did it. I wrote one. And they did it, and it was a good payday for one day, but it didn't do anything. And then David Cassidy wrote one, and my f- opening joke for this guy was, hey, David Cassidy wrote a new book. He called it Come On, Get Happy. He didn't. As we wrap up, do you ever get starstruck? I mean, you started, you said, with a career, with like starring in a movie with Elvis. Like, you've met everyone. You've boxed everyone. You know, <laughs> like, do you get starstruck? Like, is there anyone that leaves you starstruck? I, I do. There are people that I just go, how did they do that? Like Dustin Hoffman, you just gotta go, how are you pulling that off? Man, Meryl Streep, you know, across the gender barrier, how are you doing that? It's just, it's so amazing. Cause you know, if I had a, a, let's say, I'm reading something from here that's supposed to say, hey, what the hell's going on, man? Well, I can say that as well as she can. How does she walk off with Academy Award? But she apparently has several different ways to say, hey, man. Meryl is like, I don't understand it either. Like she's brilliant. Everything. Everything hits. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I'd like to give people a chance at the end. Thank you for answering all of my questions. But anything else you want to talk about? A plug? You could do whatever. I was happy to do it. Um, I've gotten into the Twitter and the TikTok and all of that stuff. So, honey, if you wanted me to plug one of those things, what would it be? You could plug them all. Oh, you're fine, young man. TikTok is ready for this. The real Danny Bonaduce. A lot of letters. And I think uh, uh, Instagram is also the real Danny Bonaduce. What the hell is the Twitter? The douche man. The douche man. Figure it out it spells, but it's awfully close to douche. Do you love TikTok? I'll have to I, check did, I did a thing and I do this a lot. I like this. My wife thought it up and it's been so much fun. But I got on TikTok the first time and my wife said, well, don't get over excited. If you can get like 30 hits or 30, I'm sorry, 30,000 people looking at it. That's the greatest. Two million in one day. My first, very first TikTok thing. And what I did was I go to novelty record stores or used record stores. And I find a partridge on my thing. And while talking to my wife who's recording it, I sign it. And then I put it back. <laughs> one guy came over from Tokyo to find one. And he missed it. <laughs> he didn't get it. But I love the guy. And I, I sent him a, a something. But uh, yeah, that, that two million hits in 20, 24 hours. Is that right, Derek? Yeah, isn't that crazy? So I enjoy them. Don't get me wrong, because if I seem overly excited, well, I'm that kind of guy. But aside from that, I've never done it before. This is all news to me. That's why I have my wife, my addresses. This is two million people watch me do anything. That's the greatest thing ever. So I'm really into TikTok and Twitter and Instagram. Love them. That's amazing. And now someone flies over and tries. That's crazy too. See the power of it all. There's only one negative about it because it's great. People, I did it in Canada. They did a whole story on the Canadian news about it. And, uh, 
uh, it was it was super stuff like that. But here's the problem: is the record stores are getting hip to it. Somebody is calling them up, I guess. If you can still call people up these days and say, "Hey, Danny Blanducci signed a Partridge Family album. Will you pull it aside for me?" Well, that's not fair. But I don't know what to do. If I don't tell them where I am, how are they going to find it? So I guess first come, first served. It is the signing of the Partridge Family albums and putting it back. One of the high points of my day. And sneaking and not getting caught was how stupid would I look? Hey, that guy's stealing a Partridge Family album. But I, I have a great time with it. Or like that guy's just writing on a record. Like what the hell's going on here? The very first one I said, look, this was $4 and now it's worth 3 the news guy that covered that story agreed with me. I wanted to go down there and punch him in the nose. What do you mean it's only three now? But it, it's great. I, I'm having a great time. I'm having a great time doing this, and I appreciate that you asked me to be on. I appreciate you being here. Everyone needs to follow you. Anytime you want to come back, come back. Thank you to your wife for helping set this all up, and you've been wonderful. So when I come to New York, we'll smudge up that really clean thing I was saying about you, and we'll do some. We'll write some graffiti. Listen, I'm like a good time over here in New York City, okay? <laughs> Tell, man. This right. is just my professional side. I've got a whole different side, too. Uh, you're holding back now? Are is you it? allergic? Have you met you? Yes. Uh, so, right, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Take care. I will. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear... Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon. Because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind The Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.